Welcome to episode eight of the Permaculture Pimp Cast. So glad everybody's out there. Of course, son. It's episode eight, man. I got to be excited. Anyway. Yeah. It folks, feels like we've been doing it a lot longer than eight, though. That's right, y'all. We're going to be talking about what a lot of people have been asking about. And we're not going to go too in-depth because, honestly, all of this stuff really should be a program, a massive, massive program. But we don't want to bore people. We, won't, we don't want to lose you. But anyway, this is the Permaculture Pimp Cast where we discuss permaculture from a pragmatic point of view, and yes, pimp, P-I-M-P, means exactly what you think it does. Permaculture is my passion. How you doing, son? Good. How are you? Oh, you know I'm doing good, man. <laughs> it's I got a little bit of rest today. Uh, I think we all did to some extent or another. Yeah. Emily is uh, remodeling the bathroom, the upstairs bathroom right now, wow. uh, and un- underestimated the hard water damage on the connections. Well, that's one of the consequences of living in, you know, when you got well water, uh, you could pay for a softener, but um, a lot of the ones I've seen in the past really weren't worth it. Plus, maybe we should be drinking some of those minerals. Yeah, probably. All right. I don't think it's a bad thing. There's people around here that claim kidney stones, but I don't, I don't know about that. Well, okay. Tip of the day, y'all. We're going to get right into it. Okay. Dig this. And you know, I, I sometimes wonder if the tip of the day should actually be the entire program. Look, here you go. Don't put up with bad behavior in people that are on your farm. Here's what I'm getting at, y'all. I hear all the time, and we even have a question that we're going to address a little bit later. I think it came from Bob. Look, I don't care if it's your family. I don't care if it is people you're fording up with. When you get down to brass tacks and doing this kind of work, you cannot have an albatross. You cannot have that person out there who's going to slack the entire time and then come up with a million and one excuses for why they can't do anything. Okay, let me just kind of put it this way, and I've talked about it before. If you have a sheep that is jumping the fence, what are you going to do? You're going to let it go maybe a time or two, and then after a while, you're going to be putting that sheep in the freezer. Okay, later on, let's say you got a cow that is misbehaving or a bull that's violent. Or a horse that keeps kicking your calves in the head. Right. Whatever that case may be, you're either going to separate that animal or you're going to put it in the freezer. I don't care what it is. If you have a dog that bites people, what happens there? So if I don't put up with bad behavior in in, in an animal, why would you ever consider putting up with it in what should be a high-functioning human being? You dig what I'm saying, son? Yep. (laughs) See, at the end of the day, I don't understand. We... These are human beings, and we should expect more out of them than I do animals. So when you have a person out there who is misbehaving, uh, you know, can't seem to get along with anybody, or is a chronic complainer, that's that's one of my big ones right there. The person that complains, they could win the lotto. I know people like this. In fact, some in my family, not here, but you know who I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> not us. <laughs> you could win the lotto. He could win the lotto tomorrow. And I swear in a week he would be complaining, man, I only got 15 million. I only got, well, I only got a hundred million. Texas took half. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guarantee it. But honestly, all it takes is one. I mean, how many times have you seen it even on your job? I've worked around people and all it takes is just one constant 
chronic complainer to, complainer to screw everything up. So, like I said, if you don't put up with bad behavior in your animals, and you shouldn't, um, why would you ever consider doing it with people? And he's also not suggesting you put the people in the fri- freezer either. Well, it depends <laughs> on that person now, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, we're not going to talk more about that. All right, farm news, son. Let's get into it. So... Um, what do we got out here now? We got a new addition. I think we talked about it in the YouTube channel. Those are the little chicks yeah, out there. The little, uh, they're still in the cute phase right now. I was trying to tell Emily that, you know, they're about to get ugly and she just didn't believe me. Yeah. Well, they're about to get ugly in that teenage phase where they're half fluff, yeah, half feathers. Yeah. That's the part that, you know, it's tough. They're so, they're so, I mean, they're so cute and squishy, man. It just, you know, it, it just, you know, fills you up with a little cuteness vibe or whatever. What cracks me up is whenever they're laying there sleeping and they're like, they'll have one wing and one leg spread out. Like they got, yeah, like, <laughs> like they got dead. shot mid run. Yeah. Well, when they're that little, you know, it's always fun, but at the same time, um, I, and I will say, you know, even though they were like lost in transit, we only lost one bird in shipping. So yeah, that's just pretty one impressive. so far. Yeah. So, and they're ginger broilers. I can't remember the hatchery uh, that we got them from, but anyway, they're ginger broilers, their version of it. And the idea is, um, if you've watched anything on the YouTube channel, you know that we've had that issue with the jacked up soil down there in the high tunnel. Well, we need more compost. And I could go attempt to buy it in town. Well, everybody... And spend a fortune for stuff that's actually legit. Yeah, well, that stuff in town, the good stuff, they're wanting like 85 bucks a yard. Well, we can make stuff that is way more suited, and we've talked about this at nauseum on the YouTube channel, we can make stuff that is light years better than anything we could hope to buy, and we can do it right here. Well, one of the means we use to do that is either going to be the chicken tractor on steroids or the 18-day compost pile. Well, in this case, it's an opportunity for us to train up more people and right. at the same time Because um, we've get gained we a lot more subscribers since then and obviously have started a podcast since then. Well, so. Well, with this podcast, you know, I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping with the podcast that we're able to reach maybe another audience, but the big benefit of doing this is to be able to expand on a lot of things that you just can't cover in sound bites on the YouTube channel. So that's one thing I'm really grateful for. Okay. So another thing, farm news, keeping up with that harvest. I know everybody out there is having that same exact problem. Thank God for a freeze dryer. Yeah. We're getting in a lot of potatoes, tomatoes, uh, basil. What else, Dad? Well, comfrey is a nonstop thing Com- right now. Comfrey is weekly. Yeah, so we're having to freeze dry. We're, we're doing a lot of stuff with everything you can think of. And, you know, it's not it's not just us. Everybody out there is in the same boat. Right. Well, And also with the comfrey, it's not just the roots. It's also the leaves for the comfrey salve and stuff like that. So the when we're not preserving food, we're also freeze drying comfrey salve right. or so comfrey when, leaves for the salve. Right. And when you buy that stuff from us, y'all, we pick that stuff right there on the spot process it and you know we're processing it immediately so you don't lose anything i didn't even think about that it wasn't even with the intent of freshness it was just the with the intent of we need it now yeah well (laughs) yeah everybody needs stuff right now and i'm you know thank god we have the means to do that okay also fixing the driveway um yeah yeah well it seems like everybody as of late that's been driving up that thing now those things justin put in have worked great before he put those um little road guards in there, we were having to replace this dry or work on it at least once a week. And it, I mean, it was just a nonstop thing. Well, now that we have those in, we're having to work on it. I think it's been six months since we had yeah, to touch it. It's last. been since last, I think fall since we've touched or late early winter. But I mean, even with those guardrails in, it's still a steep driveway. 
very it's still, steep. Yeah, it's still a very steep driveway. Like you can't just you can't just mess around trying to get no, up the you driveway. Gotta, when you get going, you got to get going. And a lot of people, it freaks them out when they're going up that thing. So you got to keep your speed going. But but the most important thing is to not lose traction. If Kendra and Emily are listening, oh, man. <laughs> the most important thing is to not lose traction. Dude, I'm watching Kendra and I'm sitting here. I'm here <laughs> all the way up this thing, man. And I'm like, oh, dear. And I'm like, okay. Dogs we, bark. So we put down a bunch of road rock. What do you call that stuff? Uh, uh, road bond. Road bond. It's so we, like concrete dust and blue chat mixed together. And then, yeah, it's road bond. Yeah, it works great. And then when it rains, it kind of hardens it up a little bit. So Yeah, it packs in really nice. Right. I don't know if that's... If you guys have suggestions on a better option for a driveway... Crust concrete's steep, hard to beat, man. Where, you can't we get can't it get here. that around here. Yeah. Yeah, that was something we can get in Texas. Okay, one last thing on the farm news. It's really not farm news. Well, it's farm news, but not our farm. And that's going to be that swale workshop. July 30th and 31st. Be that's there, be square. Next weekend. That's right. I just I was looking at the calendar earlier. It's next weekend. Yeah, how cool is that, man? I can't wait to do it. And I can't wait to see a lot of you guys out there. And then there. Doug and Stacy's yeah, is the we- next weekend. Yeah, they have us uh, speaking up there at their conference. Uh, that's going to be in Hannibal, Missouri. Um is that sold out? Yeah, it's it's sold out uh, from what I understand. But, uh, yeah, Doug reached out to me, had a great conversation with him, and I guess we'll be up there doing that. So all my friends in Missouri and Kansas and the surrounding areas, look forward to seeing y'all too. So uh, moving on to other things. Okay, so remember, when we cover world news in this podcast, it's more directed at things that may affect you. So a lot of what you hear, look, I'm just going to keep it real. There's a whole lot of YouTube channels out there that realize, and some of these people I know, and they have been historically been, um, let's call them uh, homesteading channels. Well, then lo and behold, son, they figured out that all of a sudden, if they talk about doom and gloom or constantly give you five things you need to survive or the crops you can't live without or what to do in this situation, all of which are situations that I know they know nothing about. Because some of these people I have met and I've known personally, and uh, they've been going at that 100, 100 miles an hour because they realize they can get subscriptions doing that. If I got to engage in that, son, if we ever got to engage in that, I just won't do YouTube. Yeah, I mean, we're, our main goal is to recognize the problem and find a solution for it. Recognizing the problem and then just panicking about the problem does no good. You might as well not even recognize the problem. But... Our goal is to find the solutions for these problems. So if we're bringing up a problem, it's not to scare you. It's not to do anything like that. It's to show you here's the solution for it. Right. So with that said, you know, you don't have to go far and wide. I'm only bringing this up because of how it may affect you. Okay. So we're talking about, or they're talking about, and I mean the powers that shouldn't be. I mean the prostitute media, those people, they're talking about these bank issues in China. And basically they got tanks around the banks. But boy, that's a rap song right there, man. We got tanks on banks and they're basically keeping the depositors out. So basically they're now investors. They got banks and tanks. Banks and tanks, man. Yeah. Somebody, some rapper out there is going to do something with that. That's the podcast episode. Yeah. (laughs) No, you might want to, you might want to straighten it up a little bit, but in that case, they're talking about, um, basically they're telling the people in China, if you don't already know, Hey, we got your money. But we're going to give, it's like in that movie, Dumb and Dumber, man. This is just as good as money. And they hand a bunch of IOUs. On post-it notes. We got your money. You just don't have any access to it. Well, the reason I'm bringing that up is, do you think that's a possibility here in the United States of Amnesia, son? 
Well, definitely. And then also they have to tell you what they're going to do to you before they're doing it, which is probably the only reason they're reporting it in China. Or it's all a lie and they're not actually doing it in China. Right. That's a possibility as well. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly (laughs) just like this whole sweet and sour sniffles that was going on over there. All the stuff they were showing you were people <laughs> dropping dead right there in the streets and all this other stuff. I mean, it looked as fake as a $3 bill. Trust me, you don't pass out. I've seen people pass out when I was in the Army, okay? We'd be in the division review at Fort Bragg. Some dude lock his knees together for too long. They drop straight down. They don't put their hands out when you pass out. Yeah, you don't catch yourself if you're passing out. Right, so all those things we saw going on over there in China – All of a sudden, that didn't happen here. And like you said, son, how do we even know this is happening? So, folks, stay alert, stay alive. You know, that's basically the motto that we always say at the end of this show. The point I was getting at is that they could just be telling you this, that it is happening, just so they can say that they have told you because they have to tell you before they do it. So there might become like a situation. So are you referring to like retirements and stuff like that if you you need to get it out well there was a really good show on the hagman report uh with a guy on there i don't recall i want to say it was thursday's show on the hagman the hagman report hagman with two ends uh one of the places i go through go through go to for my news uh they discussed in great length you know they had a christian economist on there and the guy was fantastic had a lot of awesome uh biblical precedent for what he was talking about but he was also saying look man you know you're going to have to get loose or get lost when it comes to your retirement savings. Do you trust it in the market? I don't know about you, but I don't No, I don't believe pathological liars, man. So I don't believe the media. I don't believe these investors. I don't believe politicians. I don't believe people who have fundamentally made their living by lying to me. So whatever the case is, folks, at least think about your hedge. Now, what does that look like to you? Is it Bitcoin? Is it cash? Is it gold? Is it silver? Is it tangible items? Well, is I it wouldn't land? even suggest anything like Bitcoin. I would make sure it's something solid, something like physical that you can hold. Because, well, I'm not going to tell mean, them what they can or should or shouldn't do. I'm just saying your options, keeping it in a bank, sure ain't the best option. Well, yeah, at least not for me. I mean, and is there more value in, let's say, a fruit tree? Is there more value in maybe getting a few more sheep? Is there more value in getting cows? Maybe you need more yeah. chickens. Whatever the case may be. You might want to be thinking, I'm not giving you financial advice, but if that's happening over there, it might not be too long before you see something like that. Like under the NDAA, I want to, I can't remember what year exactly Obama signed it under the National Defense Authorization Act. I remember at that time I was floored and I couldn't get anybody to care about it was when um, I might have still been doing talk radio back uh, yeah, then. Yeah, I think you were. Yeah. Um, yeah, I might have been in Kansas City still doing talk radio. And at that time. I was screaming from the mountaintops like, hey, do you realize you just became, uh, you are no longer a depositor at your bank. You are now a liability. I can't remember exactly how it was written, but I talked about that years ago. And so it is now legal from my understanding for them to basically have you in on a bail-in. Like, yeah, we got your money, but you can't get it. Unlike the people (laughs) in China, though, there is a second amendment and people just might lose their (laughs) mind. (laughs) <laughs> they just might lose their minds. Might be pointing the other direction. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, folks, at the end of the day, that's the big thing that we want to get into. We're going to get into the topic here in a minute. But stay alert, stay alive. Marketing is what they tell you to do and what you're willing to give. Larkin to the fullest extent. I don't wait, I shoot first like Han on a rodeo. And these people don't understand me like reading a Nokian. Stretch thin, like pulling an accordion. My heart ain't primordial. All these historians telling us lies to genocide. Everything. 
All right, here we are back again, son. I got to admit, up until recently, man, I was never a big fan of rap music. And, um, I mean, until I heard of that guy, Immortal Technique, and then yeah. I'm hearing this I'm hearing this latest stuff, and it's funny that when you play this music to certain people, because I'm hearing things in there that, like I said, I'm not really into rap music at all, but I like this stuff because I understand the message that he's talking about. A lot right. of it's esoteric. But there's also a lot of information in there. So when you, I found out when I was listening to Immortal Technique, I would play this to somebody I was working with, you know, years back. And whenever they listen to it, and they would say, "Oh, he's all right." I'm like, "You didn't understand a word." Yeah, it was you didn't understand a single word in that song. You did not. It was very yeah. cleverly, just like the one we just played here. And who are those guys again? That's Van Tesla. Van Tesla. Y'all, yeah. well, I ought to know because we interviewed him last Sunday. Yeah, last Sunday along with, uh, well, the Joel and his friend Sean uh, yeah. killed the Mockingbirds and then uh, Testimona who did the theme song for our uh, YouTube videos. Yeah, wonderful people. And Tess, it sounds like she's got a lot of good things in the fire too. So, I mean, it, it's really amazing to see a lot of these guys come along. Had a great conversation with them afterwards and uh, look forward to reconnecting with them again. In fact, I think they're going to be, in fact, one of those guys is actually going to be at the uh, Self-Reliance Festival in October, so I'm looking oh, forward really? to that. I think I'm going to see him at that uh, Cryptid Festival in Tennessee. Okay, so yeah. we're talking about permaculture today, though. <laughs> no cryptids, man. No more cryptids. All right, so, okay, folks, we're going to get into the main topic of today. So, okay, food forest or orchard? A lot of people, first of all, are wondering what are the differences between the two, son. You want to run with that? Right. Well, a food forest is all kind of connected and touching. And it's a uh, you're basically replicating a forest with the nitrogen fixers and the fruit trees and the ratios and the timing and all that. Uh, you're basically setting it up so where you don't have to take care of it and it's going to be self-replicating. An orchard is not necessarily designed with that intention without human interaction. Now, we have both, and we've right. installed both. In fact, we started off as an orchard at our property in Texas, and now it's a food forest. Uh, yeah, it's a food forest. And the one here, the orchard and the food forest are both connecting. So they don't have to be separate entities or anything like that. They can interact and touch each other and, you know. Well, when it comes to a... You know, people are going to say, which one is best for me? And I would have given you a different answer maybe six months ago than the one you're going to hear out of me today. Because not only do we cover permaculture, uh, not only do we cover to a certain extent, I think preparedness is baked right in. There's no two ways about that in my book, at least with the pragmatic style of permaculture we do. Um, I would have said my preference every single time is going to be an orchard. I understand the value of a food forest, but I love an orchard because number one, the productivity in there, because I, you know, in the orchard, I'm going to prune. And that is one of the differences in the orchard. You're basically going to have hands on to some extent all the way through it. Whereas a food forest, you kind of write yourself out of the script. Now, when it comes to an orchard, I love the idea of being able to have that interaction. But there's a lot of you out there that say, oh man, I got this. I got that. I got to take the kids to practice. I got a job. I got this and that, you know? You may something that's you may want something that's a more laissez-faire approach to orcharding, which might be a food forest. Well, not necessarily at first. Like for the first five right. years, that food forest is going to require attention, but you can eventually take yourself out of it. Um, also, another benefit 
Well, are you going to talk about the growing in between the trees? Were you going to mention that? Well, go ahead, son. Well, the, so in an orchard and a food forest, you can do what's called a centropic design, and that's where you're basically growing your annuals in between your perennials before your overstory you know, shades everything out. On an orchard setting, you can design that so where the overstory never shades anything out, like any of your annual production out, and uh, you can just continue to grow annuals. But in a food forest, after the first five years, or after, yeah, after the first five years, your overstory is going to eventually shade it out, and you're not going to be able to have that annual production anymore. Right, so you can get a lot more production out of an orchard. Um, the reason I'm saying my answer is a little bit different now, where I always preferred orchards, because I love the interaction. Um, you know, some of the more deep permaculture designers, especially orchardists, will say, oh, no, you shouldn't prune, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Well, you handle yours your way, and I'll hand my, I, I will handle mine my way, and I love the interaction. You may, like you said, if it's an orchard setting, you may want to do a spellier on those trees to keep there a constant. Okay, what's the I'm, I'm glad you left the X out of yeah. it this time. Dad. I had to consciously think about it. Okay, I'm going to say it the Oklahoma way, expellier, expellier, expelliere. So when, when you deal with those, you, can, you train your tree limbs to go below horizontal. And they do it right off the bat. Well, what that's doing is that it's telling... It's telling that tree to be, to put fruit on it, not necessarily to be vegetative. And when you do that, the shade footprint of that tree is now decreased quite a bit. So now the area, the interstitial space between one row of trees and the next, like he said from the uh, very beginning, you could do a silvopasture, or not silvopasture, you call it a um, uh, centropic. Centropic. Right. So you could also do silvopasture in there, which you could do either way whether it's a orchard. Well, you couldn't really do not it with really, the forest. Right, but with that canopy in there, with the orchard, you could do that. You could do silver. Let me get my head right. Okay, you could do <laughs> silver pasture, which basically you're running animals through there. You could alley crop it. You could also do yeah. centropic, which is just a modified version of the same thing. So you could make that same orchard area way more productive in terms of your yield and in terms of all the other things. And still you have the advantage in an orchard setting of being able to run animals up and down there. So you could literally run your cows, your sheep and your chickens and ducks all through that same area where you would never be able to do that in a food forest setting. I'd recommend both on the same property. Yeah. I'd recommend doing both on the same property because there's benefits, especially once that food forest gets established, you might not necessarily even use it for, um, like actual fruit production, your main focus might be for like cuttings and stuff like that to propagate your orchard or to expand your orchards and stuff like that. And that's going to be a self-replicating system. You can get your nitrogen. You can get everything from that food force that you would need to expand your orchard. You could even like, you know, cut enough to start a nursery and sell those. Well, here's why I said I've changed my mind over, over the past several months. And it has to do with a lot of what we just talked about y'all. We're not selling fear. That is not what I'm doing, but Hey, I got to keep it real. I got to keep it real, son. And what I mean by that is <laughs> in this day and age, it might be more tactical for a person to put in a food forest as opposed to an right. orchard. Because these days, I mean, think about what's unfolding right now. We're having record prices already. Gas is through the roof. Um, by every metric I'm saying, it ain't going down. It's likely to go much, much higher. 
And this isn't a fear factor, y'all, but I'm saying if you're considered if you're considering doing these things, then for tactical reasons, let's say there's a road. Well, let's say you have a property. There's a road in front of it. Now ask yourself, do I want an orchard out there where everybody can see where the disadvantage of an orchard in a tactical setting is that little round balls of fruit on there are going to stick out like a sore thumb. Right. But in a food forest setting, I could literally bank trees in front of that. I could cover that with nitrogen fixtures that it couldn't be seen from the road. And then when it's no longer relevant, when the leaves fall off, well, nobody knows it's an apple or whatever from the road. Well, how long was it before we found out there's a peach tree right behind the house? Absolutely. Yeah. The pigs had to go through it, I think, twice before we figured it out. Right. And that thing was so buried in there among black locusts that you could not see it. And there's a ton of peaches on it now. Yeah. And it's, by the way, the best peach tree I've ever had in my life. But that being, folks, this is something I'm suggesting now that I never once said before. And I'm doing it all because of the signs of the time. So these are things from a tactical standpoint you might really want to consider because I love, like I said, my every single time I love an orchard because I love the interaction in the space. I'm less in love with a food forest But the food forest is what's closest to the road down there. Not that they can't drive by and look up and see all the orchards, you know. Well, it's also a perennial food source. Like, it's a stable food source if you just establish it and let it go. I mean, you're guaranteed to have food. (laughs) Yeah, see, that's a good thing, but... (sighs) So, like, if everything else fails, you know, there is something. Well, I know with that orchard that I can do things... My productivity, first of all, if you didn't have anything else side by side but an orchard and a food forest, the orchard will outproduce it every single time. Right. It also requires more maintenance, though, as well. Right. But with the way we do it, is it really that much more maintenance? No, it's not. It's just once your food forest is established, it requires very minimal. I'm just saying from the maintenance standpoint, the orchard requires maintenance. And the food forest, once it's established, you work yourself out. Yeah, but in that in that orchard, you not only is your is your yield going to be much much higher. I love the idea that you're getting now a meat crop out of it. You're getting a nut crop out of it. Guess what? Berries. You're not you're not going to have blueberries in a right. fully operating food forest. You know. Yeah. Um, you might be able to get gooseberries or something like that in some of that dappled sunshine. Currants. You could do like chickens and rabbits through there and uh, mushrooms and stuff like that, but you're not going to get any, you're not going to be able to graze in between the trees. No, no. Yeah. But that's why every single time, it, depending on what your goals are, I would have always recommended going with an orchard. I mean, depending on, I mean, it all, every circumstance is going to be different for everybody out there. But now I am a bigger champion for food force than I've ever been before because of the signs of the times. And then we've even gone so far as to, and we've even covered it in that last video we, or one of the last videos we did where we were talking about how we have these trees on the outside of the fence. And even out there, the deer have not fooled with those trees because we've right. got bone sauce on them. But the bigger point being is that there's also this zone that we have out there for passersby. That's what, if you want, if you're going down the road on a bicycle and those trees, when they're up and running, the idea is is that we make it as productive on the government side of the property as we are on our side of yeah. the property. <laughs> so we're, I mean, even though that's technically city or or county easement or whatever. Yeah, I'm hoping those guys don't come through and mow with those like those extendable arms that they have on the tractors. 
Like they did last, man, they were taking down fence posts. They were taking down trees. They yeah, were taking everything. It down. didn't happen with us because it was mostly cleared. They right. pretty much left us alone. So if we keep it somewhat maintained down there, I don't think they're going to fool with it. I hope not. Well, when you get down to it, that's exactly what we have it there for. Like, hey, any passersby, you don't have to come trespass or nothing. We got some pretty robust stuff down there. When it's all said and done, we'll have a lot of wonderful things that people could just come by and get. Berries, apples. And so we're just like you provide corridors for animals in your landscape when you do your planning. I think we need to do the same thing for people. I mean, it brings me right back to the Old Testament. Right. Yeah, you definitely can. I mean, and it definitely talks about that in the permaculture design manual. Right, where somebody can come by and glean whatever apples you have out there. Or guess what? I'm giving you the first option to come get that. But right. look, Jack, that's about as far as you better go because you better not be stepping up on, you know, right. uninvited. You better not be rolling up in here. The fence is hot. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, yeah, good luck getting past that 8,000 volts on that thing. But, yeah, that's that's why I'm saying, son, in light of the times, that's why I led with that story is that you might, if you're considering, if you're weighing it out, do I want an orchard? Do I want a food forest? Well, because I don't mind working with it, I always want an orchard. But that orchard can become a food forest. So let's say you started right. with an orchard. and Especially with swales, the orchard on top of swales. Right. That's exactly what we did in Texas. And then we yeah. went back after two and a half years of not being there for your wedding, mm-hmm. went back and looked at that place. And, you know, I wasn't worried about it. I just I knew we put in solid systems, but not a drop of water, not any maintenance, not anything happened. And that place is absolutely robust and blowing up. Yeah, it's a food forest now. It turned itself into a food forest. Right. So we, we I don't get, know that it would have done that had we not done the swales in that part of Texas with the droughts that it experienced. No way. No way. Uh, yeah, without the swales, I don't know if that would have worked. Because those trees weren't those trees weren't old enough. They didn't have a solid uh, overstory to protect them. And it, it's not like they had a taproot either. It's not like they were planted well, yeah. from seed or anything. Right. It's not like they had anything. So it shows these systems absolutely work. So the next time we have to go back for whatever reason, I look forward to doing an update on it. But your orchard, you can start off. Let's say you're thinking, okay, well, I like the idea of an orchard. And let's say for whatever reason... You want to turn that into a food forest? You just leave it alone. Yeah, just walk away from it. You just, you just leave it alone. Don't give it no maintenance. Don't give it Don't give it attention and definitely propagate those trees cuz they're going to be they're going to be hardy. Yeah. Especially if you do it young at a young age. And when you got them on swales and that's another thing when you plant these things out, when you plant your orchards, um the way we do it y'all, if you're new to this podcast and you haven't seen our YouTube or YouTube channel, uh, go to Permapastures Farm on YouTube. The way we plant things, we try, we don't go, if you're going to buy a tree off the shelf, do exactly what Stefan Subkoviak suggested. Don't go for the giant big tree. That, that's not what you want. You want the smallest tree imaginable if that's what you're going to replant because you get all those micro roots and everything in there. And then when you put it in the ground, guess what? It's off to the races. When you prune that thing in the fall or winter, whatever the case may be, depending on where you are, and then when it comes out and it's ready to blow up in spring, it makes all the difference. And just yeah. like, I mean, my man was right. You know, when spring rolls around, you're ready to hop and pop. It's amazing how fast, how big our trees have gotten in just one season of planting. So what other things can they put? Let's say they're going to start with the orchard sun. What are the companion? Because like I said in the very beginning, we're not, you're not going to, if you go to a commercial orchard, uh, this is very important. We got to cover this. If you go to a commercial orchard, and let's say it's an apple orchard 
you're going to see all the same apple five feet apart down a row, probably espalier done on every last right. one of them. And that's all you got. So what's the disadvantage of doing that? And what's the advantage of doing it the way we do? Well, are you talking about as far as the patterning on the trees? Yeah. Is that, I mean, you well, can there's do every number of ways we can go. It was a rhetorical well, yeah. question, but I knew you could run with the, it. The pattern, if you have, well, the benefits of a food forest is that the whole like army for all the pests of the fruit production trees are all living in the food forest. So you have a standing army there. Um, in an orchard, you have to design that in for sure with the NAP pattern that we do from Stefan Subkoviak. Nitrogen apple pair, meaning right. that you got a nitrogen fixer every third tree. Right. And you can even use nitrogen fixing uh, shrubs and bushes. Um, and then also the nitrogen fixing trees don't have to be black locust. They can be pretty. They can be uh, red buds. They can be, what was that other, uh, well, what's that one you just got? The indigo, false, oh, yeah, blue false, false indigo. indigo. Yeah. Yeah. So they can be things like that. They don't have to be black locusts. And we're actually probably transitioning out of using black locusts here soon, right? Well, we got plenty of them here already. I would right. prefer to kind of, you know, just like we don't want, just like I'm critical of some of these apple orchards where they have one cultivar all the way up and down. Well, we shouldn't have one nitrogen fixer all the way up and down for a bunch right. of reasons that I can cite. So we don't do that. We don't do anything in a vacuum. So in the way we plant our orchards, is that there are no two cultivars. So let's say I have an Arkansas black apple, and then let's say it's a pear, and then a nitrogen fixer. And then my next apple will not be an Arkansas black. That's where the AP and the NAP pattern comes in. It Apple pear representing two different cultivars in that pattern. Right. So you'd have a nitrogen fixer, a fruit production, and then another fruit production, and those two fruit-producing trees would be different. Right. Even if they're both apples... You want to make absolutely yep. sure, because here's how it goes down. If a pest gets in there and it wipes out, let's say, that Arkansas black, well, the chances of it wiping out the one next to it, because it's not an Arkansas black, is slim to none. And here's the best part. Oh, I love this part. It has to go through whatever that pest is. It has to go through the minefield of that nitrogen-fixing shrub that's around that tree. It's got to go through the minefield of the nitrogen-fixing tree on the other side of that thing. The reason why I'm saying that is that nitrogen fixtures typically harbor all the beneficial bugs that are going to go after the ones that want to harm your, harm your productive trees. Right. It's the standing army. That's the standing army he's talking about. So that's why there's a massive advantage. Instead of just planting one single cult cultivar or one type of tree in a row, I know, I know, I know, in every single commercial setting, that's exactly what you're going to see. But that is not what you want to do, at least from our standpoint. If you want right. to do that, knock yourself out. But you're going to mitigate disease. And then when you put in the guild, explain what a guild is, son. A guild is like a support system for that tree. But it could also be fruit production as well. So you could have blueberries around that guild. You could have uh, ground cover such as strawberries around that around guild. Around each tree, not around the guild. I mean, around the yeah, around each tree. The the tree is the center point of the guild. Um, so you could even have goji berries, which are also fruit produ fr uh, fruit producing and nitrogen fixing. Um, I mean, there's any number of things, and we're even growing. We grew tomatoes up against the base of that right. tree. Yeah. Next to a nitrogen fixer. That's right. right. We so, have a bunch of rosemary, thyme, all kinds of stuff around that. So here's how we typically look at it. We, let's say it's a fruit tree. Let, well, let's just call it an apple. Well, that apple is flanked at about four feet out on four different sides with a shrub. Okay. 
And now opposite corners, let's say it's a blueberry. The other opposites, let's say it's sea buckthorn, whatever the case may be. Now, within that ring, we're going to have daffodils, and which are another repellent for deer, and right. also voles and stuff like that. Yeah. They can't stand daffodils. So we put a ring. And they're pretty. In the mulch ring with daffodils. And garlic. And garlic. And we'll do an inner and an outer ring. You can do both. And then at the same time, mom puts rosemary, thyme, basil, oregano around every single tree. Calendula. Right. And it, the Bee plant balm. you put there doesn't necessarily have to benefit the tree or uh, any of the surrounding plants. It could be there for you. Like the calendula, she's planning on putting that in the salve. But she grew calendula before we even made the salve. Well, there's a lot of medicinal things that she uses on the animals as well. Yeah, so a like lot of the that, yarrow. Right, the yarrow, yeah. all that stuff. There is a constellation of things, and that is your standing army in addition because it's adding. Look, folks, we're trying as best we can in the orchard and even the food forest system to replicate all seven layers of a forest. If we can, we want to overstory. We want to understory. We want a shrub. We want a vine layer. You want ground cover. You want um, herbaceous layer. And you also, you're going to want, obviously, roots. Right. And then somebody would argue, and I think it's a just argument, that maybe there's a number eight, and we'll call that the mycelial layer, right. the internet and the teeth of the forest. And I, I fully agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Which is also another benefit of the food forest is that it casts that shade for that for that layer to thrive. Absolutely. So that's where if you're putting in an orchard, try, look at nature, y'all go out there and take a look. Do you see anything in isolation in a healthy forest? No, <laughs> you don't. But somehow in, Even our, in an unhealthy forest, you don't see isolation. Son, in our reductionistic worldview, we are told, just put this tree out here, leave it be. And if it requires anything else, well, it's on it. Well, you might, the tree might make it, but you're going to increase your survivability. You're going to increase every beneficial thing around it by giving it friends. Or if it there is there are possibilities where that does occur, like in the savanna in Africa, there are trees that stand alone by themselves. But if you're not there or in an area where that is you know common, don't replicate that. Replicate the area that you're in. Right, that is a fantastic point. So look around you. That's what Zone Five is. Remember, go back to that last video where we talked, or video the, the, the last podcast. podcast where we talked about zones. That's why zone five is there. I know it might sound simple. It might sound whatever. Your zone five, if you're living in Oklahoma, is not my same zone five, zone five right. living in North Carolina. So go out there and see how nature situates it. Are there vines out there? Where are the shrubs at? How are they situated? Where Where is everything? But you can't do it at an unhealthy forest. Go out there, look around you. Just practice. Go into a place, it could be a park, and see if you can see all seven layers that I'm talking about. Now, go back to the house and think about, okay, well, these trees didn't grow in lines. Okay, does it make sense to do it that way? It might. It might. But I can tell you what you didn't see. If it was a healthy forest, you didn't see anything in isolation. Right. So that's what we want to do. Because at the end of the day, the you take two steps to nature, nature's going to take ten right back to you. That's the way it always works. So, yeah. I mean, you'll have compounding uh, benefits just from doing one thing correctly. And you might, you might do the very same thing with that food forest. You could set up the right. same exact thing, but you also want to think that when those canopies grow up, well, the things that you put underneath that canopy that require full sun, they might not be doing so well. So you're not yeah. going to set it up exactly the same. 
So that those are those are pretty profound points to you know to consider when you're looking into an orchard or a food forest. But let me just come right back one more time um, because I think it deserves an another mention, and that is setting things up tactically these days. I'm not saying this. I'm not going to couch it by anymore. I'm not going to couch it anymore by saying I'm not selling fear. I hope at this point you realize we aren't. We're offering solutions. And if you're going to do that, even if you're doing an orchard and it's near a place that everybody can see it from a distance, then you might want to consider, okay, let's just say maybe a grove of pecans might do well out in front of it. Well, that's going to take a while to come up, but. Well, yeah, you could do bamboo. That's quick. You could do, I mean, there you, you could go. do that's some nitrogen fixers. You could do, you could do it staggered if it's not on a swale. So where all your nitrogen fixers are closer to the street, those are going to grow quickly. And just allow them to bush out. Don't prune them. Man, that's a great idea. Some of that clumping bamboo where, um, you know, when you have some of that clumping bamboo, it's not going to get away from you. Now, it ain't cheap, but it would act as a means to keep somebody because you ain't just going to look right through that stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's even bushes and shrubs you could get depending on the elevation difference in the land. Uh, like butterfly bush, That's that grows quickly. Uh, it's deceiving, though. It actually provides no benefit to butterflies. Um, actually just waste their time because they go over there expecting to find something and there's nothing there for them. Uh, but that's just, it, it grows quickly and it gets bushy, so they could block the view. Another um, great idea would be hazelnuts. I mean, yeah. a lot of times you're not going to just see that. Depending it, on where you are, though. Well, the hazy, hey, yeah, that's true, but hazelnuts generally, they bush out so much that a lot of people will drive past a hazelnut and never even play, pay a second look right. at it, you know? Like it doesn't look friendly to come harvest anything it, from. Yeah, it just doesn't look appealing. So you might want to think about a buffer zone. This is where I'm taking some of that tactical military know-how, y'all, and I'm adding it. I did an interview not long ago. It was a guy who was um, it was more of like a military podcast, and he had asked, hey, uh, when are you going to write a book on this? And I'm like, well, it hasn't been written yet. And, you know, where you combine military tactics with homesteading. Yeah. I never in my life thought that was ever going to be an option. Well, that's not true because we were in the preparedness long before we ever got into this. Yeah. I always knew that was a possibility, but to see it come to pass where I even have to consider this stuff and then think about our viewers and listeners out there that they might have to consider it. It, it might be worth giving a second thought to. If nothing else, you could even look at it to some extent like a riparian zone. Right. Yeah. And you, you could treat it as that. Um, I mean, there, there's a bunch of options depending on your landscape and depending on your climate that you could use to just keep people away from your orchard. Well, there was a lot of people that not a lot, but there were some in that last video we did. Now, this is going to be timeless, so I better tell them what it is. The video regarding, um, you know, why are we not growing food alongside the interstates like Joel Salatin suggested? And I can't begin to tell you how many people said, well, I wouldn't want to eat that food. Well, let me tell you something. Okay, if it comes down to it, yeah, would you eat it or not eat if that's what was available? Yeah, and then I, also if you have healthy soil, if you put the focus on building healthy soil, put a nice filter between the road and the, the food, if you're growing like uh, vegetables and stuff like that, if you're growing cows and all that, then who, who cares? Well, and also <laughs> this is going right back to what I said a moment ago. Okay, if you're that concerned about it, then every area you do this in, you can make a riparian zone between the road runoff yeah. and where the productive area is going right. to be. What's wrong with that? 
There's no, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. That meaning, would work. Meaning that basically it is whatever runoff comes off that road is going to be captured in that riparian zone and that it doesn't even affect. So somebody is going to say, and somebody did right in there, that it's going to be years before that stuff's edible. Yeah, I, I dig it, man. But no, it's not even it. I mean, the it the, doesn't take that long. The gunk that's coming off the highway is nothing in comparison to what's coming off the parking lot. When pe- people think of like asphalt runoff, they're thinking of very slow drainage on very slow moving vehicles, typically in a parking lot. On a highway, there's not much debris. And if there is debris, it's getting blown off, you know, pretty quickly because it's typically in a flat area with high winds. And a lot of people bringing that up are honestly, in my experience, in 300 the past, pounds. No, not only that. <laughs> Um, you know, somebody that's maybe smoking five packs of menthols, give me a pack of menthols. Yeah. You know, it'll be those people that'll bring up these kind of things. But hey, when we come back, we're gonna get right into the Q and A. Uh, uh. Ain't that what they do now, son? <laughs> no, no. I've never seen that done anywhere other than in the 80s movie that you had. Don't playing. all the rappers do that? Uh, no. uh, yeah, yeah. Nope. Yeah, anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> nope. Okay, I'm picking music next time. Um, you told me to play this. Dad. Yeah, this yeah. was your No, no, I don't have a problem pick. with this song. I don't have a problem with that song. Honestly, I, I don't mind the ones that have an honest message in them. So um, let's Dad, get back. You picked all the music. Okay, let's talk about yeah. Q&A right now. I didn't have anything to do with it, y'all. <laughs> okay, let's start out with this one. Jan, she hit me up in an email today. Um, thank you very much, Jan. And thank you so much, everybody else who submitted questions. Um she brings up the fact that now there's a thing going on out there when they're not selling Mylar or, I mean, is it absolutely true? It looks like that maybe it is. Well, guess what? I got with your uncle Dion who, I mean, the dude is cheap when it comes to certain things and he's a, (laughs) he's an absolute genius when it comes to others. So what did he do? Okay, folks, I know that you can't necessarily find Mylar. I don't, I haven't looked because we got a stack of Mylar. Right. Um, so I don't know if it's true or not. Um, I'm hearing that it is. So let me tell you what he did. He went out there, got him a roll of some of that aircraft nylon. Um, I think he said he got it at the nylon? same. I'm sorry. Uh, mylar. mylar. Oh, okay. I said nylon. Yeah. So he went out there, got himself <laughs> some of this. People confused out there. Yeah. What? He's wearing pantyhose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll mess him up. Um, so anyway, yeah, your uncle's wearing pantyhose now. No. <laughs> So he went out there, got him some Mylar, and all he did, he just started doing an experiment with this stuff. Now, he did this about two years ago. That's why when I got her email, I went and I called him up and I said, hey, man, what was up with that Mylar stuff? He told me, he said, yeah, I got that stuff. It's thicker than anything you can buy. Came in a 100-foot roll. It was like four feet wide. He was taking it off, and he was doing it for like rice storage or something like that, making his own five-gallon bags out of it. And he said this stuff is as hard as woodpecker lips when you get it on there. How do you, how does he seal it with an iron? Yeah, with iron. He just said he took it just like any other mylar. He just took it, uh, worked it in on 
Well, you would only have to do two sides. Well, three right. sides ultimately. But, yeah. And he would make a little bag out of it. And I asked him, I said, well, how's this going? And he said, man, this thing works better than that store-bought stuff. So if anybody's looking for options out there, you might consider that. I don't know how available this stuff is. Like I said, we, we're good on Mylar. Um, but it's kind of hard to believe. So buy the 100-foot roll and make your own if you can. That's what he did. Which is also handy because, uh, I mean, you can make it whatever size you want. You could do little to-go well, packs. You could do like bigger, larger quantities if you wanted to, depending on what it was. That's exactly, you know, he'll go out there and spend $50,000 on a boat, but he's looking for money to save on a Mylar bag. You <laughs> on know? food. Yeah. Yeah, on his food, man. I'm like, come on, bro. But honestly, it's uh, some of those people that are frugal in those areas that are pretty helpful. So I haven't personally done that, but he swears up and down it works. But, son, the bigger point here is that it's hard for me to believe that this is some accident at this point. Oh, yeah. You ain't going to just tell me, okay, now we got this shortage. Now we got diesel fuel oil. Now we got this. We got that. And I'm supposed to buy that this is all one coincidence? Well, the the shortage on the Mylar might actually be legit because everybody's preparing. They might not. They might just be out of stock. No, no. They're basically like some government mandate saying it's bad for the environment is what what I got out of that article. So, yeah, it's crazy. So we'll move on to the next one. I know we're running out of time here. Hold on. Petroleum is a green fuel now. Oh, yeah. Well, petroleum products are green now. Well, heavens to Murgatroyd. (laughs) I guess nobody told the Biden administration, huh? All right. So um, this is a pretty good question. This came from Tracy. Um, When did you know it was time to go full time on the farm? I'll tell you when I knew. (laughs) Um, 2008 is when I knew for sure that it was time to get away and get myself out of the matrix. So that required at first recognizing that I was chained at the bottom of Plato's cave. I may have been awake concerning some things, but there was a great many of other things that I wasn't awake about. So for me, it began like this. Okay. Start with some backyard chickens. Okay. We get off and running. And Michelle had been at this long before I was, and this is long before 2008, but that's when I knew when 2008, it was so bad a year for me. Couldn't find a job anywhere. The best jobs I could find were in third world countries, okay? And they weren't exactly paying a whole lot there, you dig? So I made a vow that if I ever get myself out of this, I will do everything humanly possible. I will never wonder where where the meal's going to come from. I'm never going to find myself in this position. I'm going to get myself out of this rat race. And so I looked at every resource I could. And then got every skill that I could. I already had a pretty good bank of skills just from the army. But you're thinking, well, how is that translatable in the farm life? Believe it or not, it is in many ways, especially when you're talking about tactical food forests. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily apply the five principles of patrolling when doing that. But, it, you know, there are some things that are overlap. So learned how to be a butcher. You know, taking in animals and bring, getting back somebody else's stuff, that ain't good in my book. So I'm thinking, well, how do I cut him out? Go down there, volunteer, do it for free, be a hand, ask them to teach you everything. Wait, Dad, the question is... I'm getting to it. <laughs> okay. I'm getting to it. I know. So they're asking how did that happen, but I'm also telling them the transition and how that happened. I knew... Well, no, when did you know? I knew for sure in 2008 that it was time that I was never going back. No, I think the point was well, how did how do you know when it is to immediately make that jump i don't know that that's what the question was but we can cover that too okay that's how i took it well i don't know that's going to be everybody's individual thing i'll answer that then 
Okay. Well, go ahead and finish yours. No, first. I'm go ahead, son. All right, I'll finish <laughs> then. Yes, yeah, since you interrupted <laughs> your old man. No, honestly, I started collecting every bank of skills that I possibly could because I knew I am a constant researcher and I constantly knew that this world was on a knife's edge. The more I learned, just like Solomon said, the more you know, the more heartache you're going to have. That's paraphrased, of course, but and I, I tried to bank every single skill I could, but what I didn't count on is that I would absolutely love it. And then the more I found out, the more I learned, the more I loved it even more. And then I'm thinking, okay, where was this lifestyle when I was getting out of high school? Well, William didn't have to make those mistakes. Right. So here you are, son, essentially, you can call yourself retired because you're doing every, you're doing what you love, right? Yeah. Well, doesn't that make you retired? I think so. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the definition, I don't, what is the actual definition I, of retirement? I hate, I hate is the it notion. going to the retirement home? Well, I can't find, find me one person in the Bible that retired. Yeah. Find, find, find me somebody they just stopped moving before they died yeah that was retirement yeah moses didn't say okay yeah i'm gonna chill out until it's time to go yeah you know they worked until it was so this whole notion of retirement is absurd to me also the whole notion of adolescence but that's another podcast altogether <laughs> what was your angle on it son well i thought she was asking like how do you know when you should make that transition like quit your job and go straight to just farming um, I would make sure you're like any debts are squared away. Uh, make sure you have products to sell and customers to sell them to before making that transition. Um, and I would make sure that you can, I mean, you might have one good season and you're basing it off that. I would make sure you can replicate that good season. You I would know also I mean? say that when you make that transition, you better be thinking about some plan B's also. Right. Have multiple sources of income, but live on one. That's exactly our model here. Right. That's exactly it. And then, like I said, there's also income sources that we don't tell anybody about on YouTube or even in this podcast. And why? Because my freedom of speech means everything to me. That First Amendment, think about it. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, the right to assemble peaceably and petition the government. Well, guess what? I'm giving away a lot of that if they have that much hold over me, as Tag from Life Done Free often says. If they have that much over me, um, I can't say what I want to say. I have to constantly be afraid and aware and cognizant of the fact that if I say the wrong thing, they're going to pull the plug. Well, if you pull the plug on me, I don't care. I got a podcast now, so I, get, I still get to speak out. <laughs> we can keep putting this up places. <laughs> well, I, I do care to a certain extent because there's a lot of people, man, when I read y'all's letters out there and you say it's, it's embarrassing when I read it because I know how flawed I am. But when I hear all the wonderful things that people are doing with some of the information we provided, it is very humbling. I know we're kidding around here and I joke and we do all this and that, but make no mistake, I'm very, very humbled when... So that's why the videos are, are of profound value, at least to me, um, because I know that it's having an impact out there. That's where we started all this for, son. Well, yeah, that was the whole point was to show people how we do certain things and that you can do things as well that you can do this life. Bob asks, how do I get a family on board? Okay. So I'm going to run with this one. Cause I kind of covered it in the beginning. Yeah. Um, we made that mistake twice and it was the most colossal mistakes we ever made was trying and hoping and praying that family would see the value of what you're doing and that they would want to get on board. Well, I got news for you. Y'all it's just like I said before, it's like that Snoop Dogg song. Everybody got their cups, but nobody's chipping in. And that's what you find out. And then you'll also find out that when harvest time rolls around, oh, well, look who's look who's rolling around. 
and then they want half of your harvest. Yeah, and is if you're worried about getting kids in, interested, you just have to find like something about it that they're interested in and show them how it ties into everything else. Or do what Joel suggested, where you give them a defined period of time or a defined project when you first start them off. Don't do what I did to you, where you say, okay, we're going to go out here and do this. Well, you know, are we done yet? Are we done yet? No, when they're yeah. kids, give them. I, I remember those days. Yeah, when you give them a defined, and I've made a colossal mistake. When Joel, when I first heard him say it, I was like, oh, shoot, I wish I knew that. But it's too late now. Um, try to give them, okay, look, you do it from here to here, and then we'll call it a day. And don't make it ridiculous. I mean, you can't. If you're training up a child in the way they should go when you do this sort of thing, then you're going to have to find clever ways to, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to have to do it, Jack, one way or the other. Right. But if you can try to find why to this day, you can't stand picking blueberries. I hate picking blueberries. Because of that very reason, right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. We're going to go out here. We're going to pick up blueberries. <laughs> I'd rather gonna... <laughs> put a tarp down and shake the blueberry plant. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pick blueberries. So are we done yet? No, we need five gallons. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're out there picking. There's no finish line. And that's a difficult thing to convey to a kid. So, right. But when it comes to your other family, look, y'all, I said it before that when you look at Noah's Ark, there was Ham, Shem, and Japheth on that ark. They had their wives. Noah had his wife. But did you hear anything about cousins and aunts and uncles being on there? Nope. So take, <laughs> take a note out of Genesis there, y'all, because at the end of the day, there was a reason Noah's family wasn't on board. Now, we can get yeah. into those reasons maybe another time and why that was the case. But it's a it's Hopefully a case over an interview, possibly, possibly. But the point being is that in that in that case, you are going to have family that are going to be a bigger albatross than you can even possibly imagine. One last question, son, because then we're going to bust out. All right, all right. Um, Cindy J says, uh, "Are you serious? Are you really serious about promoting other YouTube channels and businesses?" Yeah. I'd say so. I mean, I I just realized this. I think it was the last time I was editing a video. We don't wear our own shirts in the videos. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a single one of our own shirts right now. Right now, we're both wearing Eric Sider's shirt. Yeah. I mean, nobody's seeing it, but yeah, that's <laughs> we don't fact. even wear our own shirts. So those are multiple businesses that we're constantly promoting through that. Um and yeah, I mean, we shout out businesses all the time as far as, yeah, I, we're serious about it. I mean, you have to have a serious product and you have to have a, you have to have a product that like makes sense to us as well. Well, if you have like those knives that we got from Sheldon, that's, that off, makes that sense. Is, those are off the hook. And everything else that by and large people have sent have made sense. I guess what, right. is, what I'm trying to point out when it comes to that, yes, we are 100% serious and we hit, if we're going to look the powers that shouldn't be want us dead. Okay. I'm not, that's not hyperbole. That's, that's legit. That's a fact. And the only way to avoid what they have planned for us, this matrix that they've prepared for us is for us to do business with one another. That's why number one, the good Lord has blessed us mightily. Well, they want, they want us dead with the least amount of effort from themselves. That's why McDonald's is drive through and homegrown isn't. Very well, <laughs> that's a good point. But son, if we're, if we're going to, all you need is a tireless and dedicated minority to win any battle or any war. And remember this war isn't one in miles. It's one in inches. 
guy with a whole lot of sense once wrote that. Now, the point being, yes, we're serious about it. Yes, we have got to promote each other. And if you come up with a product, y'all, you got to do a little bit better than an iron-on T-shirt, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I know that this person probably didn't know any better, but man, it, it can't be something that I'm going to be embarrassed like, wearing. Yeah, well, you you're, you're representing your business. I'm not saying it has to be anything elaborate, but I mean, make sure it's a, you know, make sure it's not a, a picture you printed out and super glued to the back. If you want a case study, look at our website. It is not beautiful. It right. is functional, but it keeps the cost down. Yeah. And our, we don't go with fancy labeling. We don't go with fancy jars. We don't do any of that stuff because it keeps the cost. We make things as inexpensively as we can possibly manage and still somehow make a little bit of You're profit in there. You're getting comfy in Ziploc bags. That's right. And it's with also a 10 or a 20 written on it with a Sharpie. Right. <laughs> that came from either me or mom. <laughs> right. But that is serious. I mean, we are serious in the products we sell and we're yeah. trying to keep the cost. Now we're going to, we're working on, you know, getting the website squared away and make it more uh, interactive. Yeah. My cousin's actually working on it. That's right. So yeah. we'll have that up and running, but yeah, we are serious about promoting each other and we have to be, if I, we are going to survive what the powers that shouldn't be had planned for us. We have got, to support one another. So look, folks, that's going to end it for today. Hope you enjoyed the program. Remember, you need bone sauce. You need comfrey. You need anything we provide. Check us out at the website. Stay alert. Stay alive. <laughs>